are officially listening to shit black girls watch i'm your host mia danae here with my bestie trish <laughs> that's gonna be the new way i say my name it's gonna be a whole fucking catchphrase now <laughs> <laughs> so we are so excited to be here with you guys thank you for coming back for episode two if you listen to episode three one Thank you. Look, man, don't manifest <laughs> that bullshit. We are no, I the appreciate all four or five of you. I appreciate every single one of you that have tuned in. Look, after episode three, man, no more of that. Because we are the masses. We're, we're going to be up there with the, the read. And uh, what are the other podcasts I listen to? <laughs> Earn Your Leisure. All these uh, niggas. Joe, Joe Budden. Look, man, yeah. we are the Desus and Mero of our generation. I'm just we, putting it yeah, out there. I'm damn, manifesting damn it. Damn near. I'm manifesting it. All I'll right. take it. So anyways, getting back into the episode, this is episode two. In this episode, we are talking about Black woman tropes. And so we're going to break that down a little later. But of course, to start the episode off, we always get into our Black unicorn. That is our first segment. And we are going to drop a person who we consider to be uh, just uh, miraculous and magical, just like a unicorn, especially a black one. Whoever sees black unicorns, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> our black unicorn of this episode is uh, Mara Brock Akil. If you don't know who she is, uh, you've been sleeping under a rock or you just don't, you know, watch black content, but we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a strong, a strong accusation. <laughs> but Look, you're right. Man, She's been around since, what, the late 80s with Moesha. She created Moesha. She created Girlfriends. She created The Game, also owns Love Is, and the CW's Black Lightning. There are a lot more other things she created, but those are our heavy hitters. So the fact that she is, one, a Black woman that is creating her own content, directing her own content, and was doing this in the 90s when it was really unheard of. There are only people like, you know, Queen Latifah, there are only a select few of Black women that were really creating sitcoms and television shows that were, well, that literally became uh, a part of Black culture. Yeah, I think most recently she actually just pinned a deal with, was, what was it, Netflix to create original content for them? Yeah, um, which is like, deal. it's crazy because it's like her second or third deal because she had one with Warner Brothers already. So I'm just like, how is she doing this? But I don't Look, she it. clearly understands what we were talking about in the last one about, you know, Black women are not monolithic. There's all different types of Black women. And I think she gets that. And she creates space for all of us. Like, whether it is fucking, you know, awkward ass girl, whatever you're into, she gets, she has created a space for all of us. And I really appreciate her for that, especially when you talk about like girlfriends, the game, seeing like Melanie, a Black med student, all that shit. Like, mm -hmm. I appreciate all of it. For sure. We didn't see a lot of Black med students honestly now that i think about it and and melanie was so proud of it like yeah the whole nickname was med school like you know what i'm saying so it was a vibe and so was like the variations i was actually talking to a friend the other day about girlfriends you know since they put it on netflix and they're like you realize you're lynn right and i was like ah you're right i'll be lynn we all have like tried to figure out which 
girlfriend mm-hmm. we are from girlfriends of course i'm probably joan but you are joan like literally <laughs> in real life too <laughs> like you are tracy ellis ross <laughs> I will take that. I love Auntie Tracy. But it's just the fact that Mara truly, like, she just knows how to break down Black women if it's from, like, being on the vulnerable side with girlfriends or even to us showing us in a different light with, like, supernatural characters, like in Black Lightning, where these superheroes are, like, just, like, amazingly strong, but also confident and are making decisions for themselves and creating their own lifestyles, even with these supernatural powers. Um, and doing it not just for themselves, but their community. So, like, she just knows how to create uh, layered characters for Black women that has obviously, like, standed the test of time. Absolutely, man. And just a fun fact, for Girlfriends, it was one of the highest rated scripted TV shows of, like, that time, between 18 and 34-year-olds, I think. And then she did it again with the game. So, wild. kudos to her, man. Yes. We're going to give up some claps for Mara Brockett-Kill, who is our Black unicorn for this clap, episode. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into the effects. We're, we're not there yet. <laughs> We're going to out one day. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> okay. All right. So moving on into our next segment, this is our Let's Get Real segment, where we are basically bringing you the main topic for the episode, which is Black female tropes in film. And if you don't know what a trope is, let me give you a quick definition. So- yeah, yeah, yeah. So a trope. <laughs> so tropes are figures of speech that move the meaning of the text from literal to figurative. So the simplest way to put it is they are cliches in creative works. They are, I don't want to put stereotypes, but in a certain aspect, they are stereotypes because at the end of the day, a trope could be a good thing. You could make mm-hmm. it into a positive thing. But it hasn't been that way necessarily for Black people, especially Black women in film and television. So we're going to break down uh, our tropes and we're going to talk about the tropes and like from the past to the present. Yeah, dogs. Like the way Black women have been historically portrayed in film is disheartening, I guess, to say the least. So there's been typically three main stereotypes for Black women as far as like archetypical, you know, stereotypical, essentially Black women. And that's the Jezebel, the Mammy, and the Sapphire. The Jezebel was typically like what would be the equivalent of our modern day video vixen, of our modern day like sex symbols. The Sapphire would be our modern day angry Black women, the ones that are always yelling and loud and just really confrontational, really aggressive all the time. That's how they view Black women as well. And then the Mammy, who would basically be Cicely Tyson because, you know, she's the matriarch. She's basically solely there to mother everybody else in the film to mother everybody else in like around her so these have been the three categories that black women have typically fell under however what we wanted to do today was kind of take some of that back and create our own categories without necessarily giving it a negative connotation we're not trying to label any well one of them's questionable but you know we're not trying to give black women any more of a bad reputation than mainstream media has given us throughout history while still getting into how some actresses can be typecast basically for sure and i think it's important also with the mammy like it wasn't just the mother figure but it was Mm -hmm. also the the domestic servant as well you know like 
great point. And it was essentially desexual. I wrote a paper about this one time. It was essentially like desexualizing black women as well, where if we were sexual, we were hypersexualized mm-hmm. like the Jezebel. And if we weren't sexual, we were desexualized like the sapphire and the man and the mammy, because the mammy had, you know, essentially had no sexual desire or exactly. you know, no sexual attraction whatsoever. So you're mm-hmm. right. I think it's also interesting when I was like looking at the research that so so when we do research freaking Trish <laughs> is an academic to the extreme and so she sends me papers like literal college papers well some of they're just research articles okay. some of them are dissertations you dissertations know, yes and it would be like 20 pages I'm like Trish I'm not reading all this and so <laughs> I'd be genuinely interested in like the actual research conducted, but you know, it, whether you get to it or not, the, the point is the same. I, I appreciate no, no. you for trying. No, I, like I appreciate the fact that you were like, well, I just like skim through and I, I read the like conclusion yeah. at the end because I do not, I have not done a research paper in 10 years. So <laughs> I totally forgot that you could just skim through and go to the end and it'll tell yep. you. So I did that for one of them and it did teach me a lot. And when it was talking Yay. about the tropes for today's generation mm-hmm. she had some really good points we'll also add these articles and can we add the articles and links to we our can, description probably we can figure that shit out okay cool i can do anything <laughs> you can do anything exactly <laughs> okay so, so but she was talking about like modern day tropes mm-hmm. and i thought it was like of course they talked about the angry black woman she also discussed uh, the overzealous professional, which I think is what yes. we see a lot in, for Black women in films. Prime example, Taraji P. Henson is normally yes. in that role. Uh, what Ben That's want. exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabrielle Union was yep. a big one in that for a while. Especially with uh, being Mary Jane. Like, I think they yeah. just completely defined her in that one. And it's just frustrating. She also made the point that when it comes to Black women in their uh, relationships, their love life, it's either you're the overzealous uh, professional mm-hmm. that, you know, is too busy for love, or you're just like the messed up and like emotionally abused like woman. She definitely touched on that when she was talking about Think Like a Man. I thought that was a really interesting point she was making about like how the different characters portrayed both of those. Yeah, and it's like, it's not just white productions that are doing this. It's like our own productions are stereotyping us Black women as this, especially like the prime example for angry Black women, unfortunately, is Tasha Smith when it comes to modern Mm -hmm. day with why did I Mm -hmm. get married? And, you know, and that's what she was saying in the article, like you're as a Black woman that's trying to find love. It's it's not a simple problem to fix for why your love life is not working. It's like you're mm-hmm. emotionally dysfunctional or you have like a mental issue or like you ha- you need to change your whole personality because you're a stuck up bitch. Like it's not a simple thing as I've been cheating on so I just kind of need to like be able to trust you a little bit. Like it's like yeah. to the extreme. It has <laughs> to like, it, it. you're right. You're exactly right. That's such a great point. Like I, little TMI, I was talking to my therapist today and I was explaining to her how often, because, you know, my personality, sometimes I can come off as confrontational, even if I don't mean for that to be that way. Mm-hmm. And as a person who is, you know, excelling in their career, excelling academically, it kind of feels like people try to put you into a box of like, well, how are you going to get married? Mm-hmm. Um, first, the fuck of all, like, I don't see why that would be a hindrance to any type of relationship I will form. I think um, there's a quote, and I don't remember who said it, but she was basically like, 
any man that would be intimidated by me is not a man that I want. So yeah. it, it almost feels like they're trying to label career women as intimidating when people are just intimidated by us. And that's just not fucking fair. Like we're not yeah. over, we're not even necessarily overzealous about it, even though I understand, you know, like the point she was making. It's just the fact that we care about what we're doing. We care about where we're going. We have expectations and standards. And I don't know that we should have to shrink ourselves to find people that are okay with that, like themselves enough to date us. I totally agree with that. She also went in talking about the unaware black woman. So like I was saying before, this is the highly educated woman, the one that doesn't really have black friends. She was raised in a white community, mm. went to private school. The only black people she knows are basically her family. And <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of messed up in the sense of like how in film, it's either you are highly educated and rich, but you have no cultural values or you're like poor and in the hood, but know everything about the culture and you make the culture. Like it's, there's no in between. That was literally almost the premise of jumping the room. (laughs) It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like she comes from this prestigious black family and then her boyfriend, you know, comes from a real ass black family and the cultures clash. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if anybody's families are this fucking extreme. Like, But I think think there is truth. I think there's truth in everything. but sometimes we don't necessarily know those people. Like there are so many black people that are middle-class. And so we don't tech, we might not necessarily know the, the prestigious rich of the rich mm-hmm. black people. And we I might for, not- I for sure don't. And we honestly might not know a lot of hood ass people. You know what I'm saying? Like just because we're in this middle class where we're still mm-hmm. con- progressing, um, it's like, where, where is that family? You're, you're definitely right. And I think you and I are good examples of like that straddling the fence type. Like we've seen some hood ass shit, like through and through hood shit. And we have some hood ass friends. Like y'all don't even know. We do have some hood ass friends, but we also, you know, have our other groups of friends that enjoy like festivals and raves and shit. They enjoy um, live jazz music and like there's different levels to, to, our friend groups and I, I appreciate that like that duality to be able to go in and out of cultures but I also I guess there is some truth yeah to people you know having those extremes I guess and those cultures coming together and there being a couple of misunderstandings. Getting back into the tropes that we created and not necessarily tropes but just some characteristics that we notice in black films um, and the actresses that we see in these roles. Some of them teeter a fine line of you know the the more historical tropes but Mm -hmm. I think we tried to do it in a way that was more empowering so if you guys disagree that's fine too but we did try to do it in a way that reframed like how we were thinking about these women yeah and if we miss the actress uh just hit us up and comment yeah let us know what actresses (laughs) we miss because there are a lot there's so many black actresses out there there's just too many of the name and especially if we're getting back if we're going back in time into like the Mm -hmm. 50s and 60s there are probably so many that we don't know so uh yeah let's get into this all right so the first one on the list is when you need someone sexy so i immediately immediately went to making good when i thought Mm -hmm. about this one because when i think about like like somebody that just oozes sexuality but not in a way that feels like she's being hypersexualized i thought of making good 
that is definitely so makes true good. that's so true i don't know what it is about megan but she has like this innocent sex appeal mm-hmm. and so it's like we haven't seen her in too many like raunchy things but every once in a while mm-hmm. she'll give us a good kissing session or like sex scene well have we seen megan good in real sex scenes i was thinking um waist deep with tyrese oh, but i don't know yeah. if they actually fucked in that no, they definitely got it in, but they might they, not have shown we, it. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Like, but they definitely, yeah. Oh. They definitely had. They definitely got it in. I don't know. I don't remember if we saw it physically, but uh, yeah, that. Megan Good is definitely. She's been a childhood. Se- no, sorry, let me not say it that way. <laughs> Cut it. I was about to say Cut she's it. been a childhood sex I know. symbol. I know what you were about to say. Like, yeah, don't go there. No, 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 no. But we not gonna get us today. <laughs> but we all know black men that have loved Megan Good since they were children, and she was yep. in Cousin uh, Skeeter, Scooter, Cousin Skeeter, Cousin Skeeter. <laughs> <laughs> since she was in Cousin Skeeter. So Megan Good is a good one. All right, next on the list is Gabrielle Union, who to me she has a plethora of different tropes, but I would definitely say there was an era of '90s film where she was the mm-hmm. go-to sexy black actress down from um to can play that game to the movie she had with Ella cool j um you know gabrielle union might be the only not the only i'm sure she's not the only but she's one of the actresses i can think of that historically would have fit into every category like she's been the jezebel essentially she's been um the sapphire and deliver us from eva she was extremely like confrontational and then i would say the mammy because didn't she have one where she was like protecting her kids and stuff it wasn't necessarily about her being like attractive it was more so just about her what was it something about somebody breaking in or something and she had to like fight them like intruder or something okay yeah yeah i forgot about that movie so she has an interesting like filmography when it comes to the roles she's played but definitely would see her as somebody because all i think about is like two can play that game when she was flicking that connie her name was connie (laughs) she was flicking that ponytail and that red suit and i was like yes oh my yes she looks so good but i'd be worried about her too Un, un, the underlining thing about all her characters is that they are very strong. Mm-hmm. I definitely like her sex appeal is strong. I feel like Megan's sex appeal is softer. It's more it of like softer. the girl next door. Mm-hmm. But Gabby's is like very strong. All of her it's like part of her sex it's like part of her sex appeal is that strength. Like whereas Megan's is like like very cute and it's very like feminine. Mm-hmm. Gabby's is just so like man she might fuck me up and that kind of like turns me I, on. I appreciate it yeah like remember how we were just talking about like people not necessarily knowing how to deal with intimidating women gabby mm-hmm. is for men who understand how to deal with intimidating women yeah. or feel intimidated by women or whatever you know she's one of those all right so i think we also left out somebody on this list i'm kind of thinking of Halle berry when it comes to someone sexy especially in the 90s but it's hard for Hallie because some of her characters were yeah. not necessarily sexy, but I think she's yeah. just so beautiful. That should have been a subcategory when, when you need a black woman that's just beautiful. Beyond <laughs> comparison. I actually, ha- I think we have her in a different category, actually. Crossover, it looks like. You're right. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I was thinking about her too. And so I looked up and saw that. I'm going to kind of group these last ones together so yeah. for the sake of time. We got Robin Givens. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think she's the OG sexy black woman in any film like yeah robin gibbons is ridiculously attractive and her sex appeal is oozing in a very like almost like a like a siren or something like she is captivating in her sex appeal 
She is. I know. Like she's casting a spell on you almost. We got Lisa Ray and Vivica Fox, who I also thought of and just pretty much anything Vivica's in. Like not only is she just like sexy, but she's like in control of everything too. I I, I like Vivica as like a sexy black woman too. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Lisa, her filmography isn't the strongest, but mm-hmm. we always know her iconic movie from the Players Club. And I think she's been a fantasy ever since. Ever since. Exactly. All right. So it looks like um, our next one was When You Need a Matriarch. And we called it Matriarch instead of a Mammy because we were thinking of like strong Black women that are leading a household. And it wasn't necessarily like, you know, like Mia was saying earlier, you know, the Mammy is like this, like in servitude. Like these are not Black women that are in servitude. These are Black women that are getting everybody's shit together in addition to their own. Um, So we have a couple of those. And I mean, there's some some OG matriarchs in here. We got Cicely Tyson, Whoopi Goldberg, Felicia Rashad. Y'all all know. Mm-hmm. We all um, know Felicia Rashad is the number one matriarch. I'm not entirely convinced Felicia Rashad isn't my mother. I mean, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, she's everybody's mom. Um, so Jennifer Lewis, I think, is another one. Some of the ones we were thinking about more recently were people like Octavia Spencer, even though that might not be super recent. Whoopi Goldberg's not super recent. Um, Loretta Devine. Uh, I was thinking, I was randomly watching this movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a scary movie, Urban Legends. And Loretta plays this security guard in that movie. And even then, she's like, she's like this super strong mom of a black woman where she's like she works at this white campus and all the kids are like dying and shit and she's like what the fuck is going on here (laughs) and she's trying to like help them get their shit together but I was thinking like even in roles where she's not the mother she still was the mother like she was a a black strong black woman leading a household it just so happened the household was made up of crazy white kids that were killing each other and shit um Alfre Woodard is the traditional mother of Sinai Lathan (laughs) Right. You didn't know. <laughs> she she's where been, we all know her from. She has been Sanaya Lathan's mom a couple of times. What Love and Basketball, something new. I'm pretty sure there's another one I'm not thinking of. Um, but she's definitely been like and she's been like a matriarch, but she's been one in the more classical sense of like we we're talking about those two different culture clashes. If Loretta Devine was on, you know, the more real side of the cookout for jumping the room. Alfre Woodard would be from the other side, from Paula Patton's um, side, where she was just, she's just very classy in all of her, like, however she presents in whatever movie, but she's still strong enough to be leading, you know, the daughter character. Ooh, all right. So we're going to move into when you need someone funny. We yeah, this one was pretty have, easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we have Tiffany Haddish, who is the newest, basically the newest Black go-to actress when it comes to anything funny. For me, Tiffany Haddish is a hit or miss. Sometimes she's amazing. Sometimes she's not. I feel like she is kind of in a box in the sense of her acting isn't that great yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she's funny, she's funny. Like, she can act funny. But mm-hmm. when she's trying to do more serious roles, like when she did the Madam C.J. Walker film on Netflix, I wasn't impressed. I just watched The Kitchen with her. and um, I wasn't impressed in that one either. I wasn't impressed. The accent, she goes in and out of the accents, which is really annoying and frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she's funny as hell. She, she's funny, but she just needs a lot more acting practice when it yeah. comes to more dramatic roles and I think she needs to find Mm -hmm. a dramatic role that just allows her to be herself first and then she can 
get into the accents or, you know, just doing a lot more nuanced characters because it's not working right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to stop. I don't want to look at a movie trailer and be like, oh, Tiffany's in that and it's a drama. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think she could do a little bit more work when it's not a funny role. On the opposite end, Regina Hall has this shit on lock as far as I'm concerned. Regina, <laughs> like- Regina, Regina. That is my number one actress after Tracy Ellis Ross. These are, okay, sorry, I get really hype about these two women because when it comes to acting, they are the epitome of the type of actress I would want to be that can be sexy, but also goofy and funny and mm-hmm. fully like comfortable in their own skin and can also switch it up and be the leading lady um, mm-hmm. and be more serious. Like I fucking love Regina Hall. Ugh, I can't get enough. It's like they're super comfortable in like their actri- actress skin. Like whatever that is, it's like they they understand exactly who they are and they find a way to make whatever character it is fit them. And yes. like- as far as I'm concerned, I don't think many people do it better than Regina. I don't either. Oh my God, I love her. And quick fact, <laughs> they both it. went to the same acting school in New York. Um, I, I bet they did. I forgot the name of it, um, but I was looking into this acting school, but they both went to the same one. So also on the list is Monique, who used to be all up in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like as the go-to I watched, black comedian. I watched Fat Girls recently. With that girl was really good. Yeah, with the pH. It. <laughs> that's when we were doing. That's when we were doing the fat thing. I remember this dude told me one time I had um, tied my shoes upside down. Like I put my laces in upside down because I thought I was being cool. I wasn't. I wasn't cool. Don't ever do that. <laughs> he was like, you know, but he was like, oh, that's fat, and I was like, you know, I thought these were skinny shoelaces, and he was just like, no, that's not what the fuck I'm talking about. And my awkward ass still could not grasp what he was talking about. And that's when I learned we were spelling fat with a PH. <laughs> was wild. Fat girl's good though. That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, Monique, we also have, of course, the legendary Tashina Arnold, which I really appreciate her basically coming back to film and television mm-hmm. when, she, when she started off in the neighborhood. I thought she was hilarious. She was in um, the star show with Mike Epps. Uh, it's Oh, Survivor's Remorse. She was great. So I just really appreciate this resurgence of Tra- uh, Tashina Arnold. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's always going to be a legend to me. So it looks like we have When You Need a Strong Black Woman next. And I think the first person that came to my mind was Angela Bassett. And that's just because, (laughs) like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't know. Like, growing up, Angela Bassett was the strong Black woman. And even if it was, like, a phoenix, like, where she had to rise from the ashes to be that, Angela Bassett (laughs) was it. Look, after she played Tina Turner, there is no getting away from her being the strong Black woman. When she, I mean, she's already Mm -hmm. been a strong and fit woman. But Mm -hmm. when she toned up for that movie... That, like I feel like she was typecasted, but in a good way. Yeah, and <laughs> no. she beat my ass for sure. Like she was toning shit in that movie. Like, why are you so brolic? But um, yeah, and I think along those same lines, um, Regina King's definitely, especially after watching Watchmen. Like I, I liked Regina King before. Maybe I just like Regina's. I don't know. I liked Regina King before, but watching Watchmen like took it to a different level for me mm-hmm. because she was phenomenal in that show and i don't know if people got a chance to watch it but if you haven't you should definitely check it out 
is based on like you know the comic Watchmen and I mean it's it's dramatic she's able to do like action she's able to like go in and out of all these different like roles she could be emotional when she has to be she could be strong when she has to be but like I think that strength never leaves her regardless of what like emotion she's playing at the time so Regina King is another one that's really high up there for me yeah I totally agree I don't know it might be a Regina thing Ooh, that Regina's. needs to be a shirt. It might I be a know. Regina thing. <laughs> should, are, when you guys, Regina Hall and Regina King, listen to this and, you know, you make money off that, make sure you give credit where credit's due. Look, man, I already might start making the merch. <laughs> Find it on the website. <laughs> it's a Regina thing. No, seriously. Let's copyright that real quick. <laughs> These are the sound effects we're still getting down. <laughs> that means copyright. <laughs> All right, so next on the When You Need a Strong Black Woman is Viola Davis. Yeah, I don't think there's, we don't need to break that down. Like we all- Yeah, but self-explanatory. <laughs> That's like like breaking down like Angela Bassett and some things don't need to be said. All right, so, oh goodness. Let's get on to the When You Need Someone Ratchet. Before, I just want to say, I'm going to mention Queen Latifah for Strong Black Women because she always oh, yeah. reminded me of my mom when you're talking like, like my mom is like six one maybe like a solid two hundred pounds on a good day, so when I think about somebody that's like strength not just in character but also in like build, Queen Latifah for sure. That's so true. My mom loves Queen Latifah. That's probably her favorite actress. And my Every mom is definitely mom. <laughs> a tough cookie. She's yes. a very strong black woman. Um, and so yeah, I totally agree with Queen Latifah. She and the the beautiful thing about Queen Latifah is that even like her strength is not intimidating. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like she ever plays roles where she's an intimidating black mm-hmm. woman. Her presence is her strength. Like just her being in the room and confident in herself. And I think she's just an amazing amazing actress in the sense that she's able to transform into all of these roles. I couldn't think of a better dichotomy for like, for those of you that may not know, like it's like a, a comparison basically um between two things we'll go with that but i couldn't think of a better dichotomy between La queen latifah than ice cube when they did barbershop and beauty shop i was like they have the exact same like temperament and presence on screen and i would have never realized had i not seen barbershop and then seen beauty shop yeah same exact that, temperament that her going from set it off to barbershop mm-hmm. the living single you know like just right she, yeah just right and she was always just very strong in her morals in these movies mm-hmm. um i think set it off is the most you know rat- i don't yeah. want to say ratchet <laughs> but the the strongest in the sense of like physical strength and like violence toughness like she was toughness she wasn't just word, strong yes. she was like tough as my mom would say she was like built for tough yeah it was a different level now you said ratchet and that was actually our next category i don't want to stigmatize the word ratchet i call myself ratchet all the time look man um, everybody has a little look, ratchet in them yes it and just it's so not happens a bad to, thing yeah it just so happens it's a bad thing actresses. when you don't when you don't know how to control the ratchet that's when it can get a little like okay you you do know. have to be able to turn that shit off sometimes like, there's just certain instances there's where certain it's like, levels to ratchetness yeah that we don't like be ratchet <laughs> And I'm not trying to like tell people where and when, you know, to how to act or whatever. But like there is a time and a place for shit. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so we didn't stigmatize Ratchet in this category. We were just thinking about, you know, the women that would represent some of the more realer versions. And by real, I'm talking about, you know, you know what I mean. You guys know. Too savvy. <laughs> Too but, savvy. but 
we're talking about like the women that emulate the more real versions of black women. And that is sometimes our more ratchet behaviors. So we had Tasha Smith, of course, is going to be on there. Tasha. (laughs) And And the crazy thing about like Mm -hmm. Tasha C. Smith, I've only, no, I haven't, wait. I'm get. She has a twin sister, so I'm like, did I meet her yep. or her twin sister? Um, <laughs> I mean, at this point, you, you could definitely better. You yeah, and you could definitely tell them apart. Like one has a whole shaved head, the other one doesn't. Um, but I believe it it was Tasha C. Smith that I ran into like very very briefly, um, and she was like in the same building that my church was at when we were having a service and she was teaching an acting class so a lot of the people in the church were actors and so they were like talk to her or whatever and I've always heard good things about Tasha Smith like I've never really heard bad things about her about her being ratchet or anything like that so the fact mm-hmm. that like in real life she is a really like genuine I, I'm just putting this out there I don't know if she's really like this in real life but yeah. I assume that she's a genuine and nice person um and that doesn't take any shit just because you're genuine and nice doesn't mean you're a pushover so yeah. for her to be able to be that but then to also portray these kind of ratchet characters and i love it's not even low-key i high-key love tasha as a ratchet woman a lot mm-hmm. of people get tired of her in these roles but i'm all good with it um so yeah tasha smith was on the list another person um that you probably don't know her name but you definitely know her face if you are a connoisseur of black film is Paula J. Yeah, Paula J. Parker. She was in um, Friday. She was Joy in Friday. She was in Hustle and Flow as Lexus. Um, what else was she in? It's like the um, fact that I'm looking at her IMDb right now. She's been in 88 things as an actor. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that, but that is good to know. And for you, those of you that don't know, IMDb is a the what the independent movie what is it? database yeah movie <laughs> database. database but basically it's just where we get a lot of people's filmographies from so if you hear us mention that whether we got the acronym right or not if you hear us mention that we're talking about like that page because we like to go back and look at the films people were in and kind of try to assess the pattern that way yeah she was in tales from the hood she was in don't be a menace to south central I that's what juice, i was thinking your juice in the hood love that movie she was in a lot of stuff. Oh, she was in Woo. Okay, I gotta go back and watch that. I don't remember her in Woo. And but see, in in each one of those movies, I distinctly remember her playing like a certain type of character. And I've never thought of her as like you know, like I would never call their characters like ghetto. It's just portraying, like we said, black women are not monolithic, and you shouldn't only respect black women that are behaving in a way that feels appropriate to you. So we included this because like there are women out there that are like this in real life and they don't turn that shit off. Like it's not a character they're playing. So they need the, the same representation as any of the other women on this list for sure. Very true. Oh wait, she was an insecure. When was she an insecure? This past season, low key feeling myself. Dang, what episode was that? She was Cheryl was that the, was that the Kyla Pratt? In- that wasn't the Kyla Pratt episode, was it? I don't think so. Let me go look real quick. Interesting, interesting. Oh, I like what the they did with Kyla Pratt in that. Oh, what was she doing at the? Or no, party? no, sorry, not the block party. She when Issa was doing the pre-block party party and planning it. Oh, where she was trying to raise money. Yeah, I think it was that episode. Anyways, I'm gonna go back and watch it now. Surprise, <laughs> surprise, Paula. <laughs> so moving on, we have when you need a villain, 
And I feel like we all know who the number one badass villain is for black women. That is Miss Lynn Whitfield, because she will give you a mean look. eyebrow, a side look. That face is stone. It's a stone pretty, killer. <laughs> I am pretty sure those eyebrows she gives us are like tattooed on there because that expression <laughs> is iconic. Like Lynn Whitfield as the villain is actually genuinely terrifying. Like it when is. she's like, she seems like, like whatever great acting she's doing, she really seems like a mean person. But my thing is like she, when you, if you have ever heard black people talk about when your mama gives you that look, mm -hmm. you know, to act right. Lynn Whitfield. That's just her face. That, yeah, that her needs, her face needs to be plastered when your mama mm -hmm. gives you that look and you just see her face. Yeah. Could you imagine if we just cut out like a picture of Lynn Whitfield's face, put that on a popsicle stick and just put it in front of our faces every time we wanted to like, <laughs> like, too, like, bitch. We need to do that <laughs> yeah, bitch, we need to do that several people have our Yo, own memes. <laughs> I would legit be on the train because, you know, in New York, people just stare you in your face all the fucking time. And it's like, and don't never say seen a anything. Person, like why? And then you try to look at, I like try to make it awkward. I'll look at them and I'll like turn my head like, bitch, what are you looking at? And they'll keep staring at me. So if I have one of those. They, they're not ass, intimidated. They are not no. intimidated. <laughs> they, I mean, shit, Lynn Whitfield might not work on a popsicle stick with these people. They got a different <laughs> level of disrespect when it comes to staring. All right. So you put Thandie Newton. I don't necessarily agree with Thandie being a villain. I don't I really would, see her in that role. I was literally, one, trying to fill this box with somebody else besides Lynn Whitfield, and two, <laughs> I was only thinking of Beloved and For the Color Girls, because she oh, was a villain yeah, in both Beloved. of those, but I don't, I don't know if she played enough of a villain to constitute as a villain, no. I would probably actually take her off. I don't know where I'd put her, but I, I don't know like if she in Beloved, on this. she was more of a victim. I think a victim demon about some, sums it up. It was. She was a victim demon. <laughs> <laughs> Like she was like on a different level of victimhood. <laughs> yeah, but you're I right. There feel was like some... she has to go into the um, a strong black woman just because of Westworld now and oh, how you're... she dominated that whole series. Definitely, but I, I don't know. We can move her wherever we we'd like. I guess this Look, is our man, world. You you guys tell us where Thandy needs to yeah. go. What category because... would you put Thandy Newton as? Yeah, because I'm thinking like Thandy Newton as the victim, like Bane was the victim in fucking Batman. <laughs> like it's a different level of darkness. Yeah. Um. Speaking of victims, oh my gosh, Mia, what a great transition. When you need a victim, and this is again not to not to stigmatize victimhood or anything like that. We're not making jokes about actual victims. No, oh yeah, we're not. I was just yeah. laughing because it sounded like. It was funny, but this is totally it, not funny. No, it was funny. I was just giving it like that because people are so, cancel culture is such a big thing now. You can get canceled for less. Like I could have just been like, oh, when you need a fucking chauffeur. It's like, you think black people are chauffeurs? Like, no, I don't. I'm just, I'm just giving an example. So when you need a victim, you see how emotional I got? <laughs> I can feel the cancel. But when you need a victim, we were thinking of somebody who tends to play the role of somebody who needs to grow, but that growth needs to happen. Like it's like exponential growth. Like you have to come <laughs> from a, a really long, hard path to get to that growth. And we could think of nobody better than Kimberly Elise. I'm talking about, she has whatever that role is or whatever that box is. We, we called it victimhood, but whatever that box is, when you need a black woman to play that, Kimberly Elise bodies that shit. Very true. 
first of all, Diary of a Mad Black Woman is just like the epitome of her victimhood. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not just what I was thinking of, but it was the main thing I was thinking of because I feel like that's not the first time I've seen her in that role. And I think oh, no. that's why it struck a chord with me because I was like, oh, and I want to say she was in For the Colored Girls, wasn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know. Oh my gosh, she was, um, and set it off and she was a victim. Her brother that's got killed. That's what I'm saying. Dang, Kim. So, but but this is what I, these are the things I was thinking of because it's like she's she stays in a role like this and I'm not saying there's anything there's nothing wrong with any of the roles these women have that are like reoccurring or whatever and I guess we didn't set any parameters we were trying to think of women who had like played these roles a couple of times like mm-hmm. where we could think of a couple of movies that's why we're not sure about Thandie Newton but we we're trying to think of like times where they've done a couple of these and Kimberly Elise has done a couple of films like this so I she do definitely think, has yeah I think she's definitely your go-to victim of black actresses okay so can we do when you need a best friend first yes because they're kind of like the same one like not the same one but it's just one person yeah so i'm sure there are plenty more um but when it comes to typical you know tropes in films new and old um the black best friend and my go-to one is Stacey Dash and Clueless. And I recently watched it again because it came up on Netflix. And I was just like, I hate this movie now. Like, why did I love this movie? <laughs> um, I, I, I did watch it recently. I still love it. I just, I see a little bit, I see it a little bit differently now. It's so, yeah, it's low-key toxic. But her character <laughs> specifically was one loud, low-key ratchet, um, was always in shit with her boyfriend, but constantly still giving out relationship Every advice. Every negative stereotype of like- And I'm women. just like, first of all, we all know Stacey Dash is beautiful, but I wouldn't see her in that character regardless. Like if that were to come out today, I would be like, she doesn't even look look like she fits the bill for this character, like this persona. You think so? Oh, not maybe. Okay. I think she she shifted the persona to fit her. I will say that because- I do see, like, had you put, like, Tiffany Haddish or some shit, like, if they remade Clueless and put Tiffany Haddish in that role, it's going to look a lot different. But I think for, because for the environment they were in, I actually can't think of a better person than Stacey Dash to play that role because of how, like, you know, like, she has this very, like, like, she smells like money. If I I was near near her, I'd be like, oh, you're, you, you smell of wealth. Like, that's my initial reaction to Stacey Dash. I think it's also, I just have this, uh, like I just know who she is now so I think that's yeah. also what's affecting how I look at her when I rewatch oh, Clueless absolutely and yeah I was trying to trying to you know discuss her look man we are separate we, from ours we don't have but... to get into that but we all know who Stacey Dash is we do we so, did we did still think to mention her though so there's right, that I but mean we... she's a part like at the end of the day she's still a part of black culture good Definitely. or bad she's made history um so yeah we are going to get into when you need someone to cross over because this is our lengthiest list of people. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's like some of the actresses that aren't necessarily just like one trope. And we're not saying any of the other actresses are just one trope, but it's hard to define some of these women. Like we were talking about earlier with Halle Berry. She's a beautiful woman. She's not necessarily your main sex appeal person that you would have in a movie. For example, with Boomerang, like she's phenomenal phenomenally naturally beautiful but i wouldn't necessarily consider her to be the sex like the sex symbol of that movie Mm -hmm. that is a freaking 
oh lord robin gibbons she was the sex symbol of that definitely movie. and she was owning that role yeah um facts. crossover too it's like like i said me and i sometimes tend to watch different things but i feel like regardless of how different our our watch experiences or like our viewing experiences are these are the actresses we would probably both eventually come across because they transcend genres as well like they're mm-hmm. not in just any type of movie like they're in all kinds of shit and and i think that when you're talking about crossing over i think it's into a more mainstream audience white people i think it's a more mainstream audience too where it's not just us that know them like we're not the only black people are not the only ones that know who holly berry is trust me trust me um and when we were thinking about that there was a couple other people that came to mind people like carrie washington taraji tracy ellis ross and i lumped them together because they're also you know kind of like the fun aunties too in a way but these are the women like i'll see carrie washington just as easily on um syndicated network on scandal as i would in that movie with anthony mackie where she's like a lesbian what is it, what is it? Oh, who's your daddy yeah. or something i forget the name of that movie but yeah it's it's a movie that we know as black people because we all watched it or most of us watched it but it's not something that the mainstream is going to see but they will see her in stuff like scandal they will see her in those big budget hollywood movies like django like they'll mm-hmm. see her little in little fires stuff. everywhere which yep. i love taraji's the same way um I think, well, interestingly enough, I think there's a lot of white people that watch Tussle and Flow too. So that was a, <laughs> an interesting tidbit. You know, Taraji transcends genres. And even if she is playing in one of those, like, you know, in a movie that is considered black or whatever, it's one of those bigger pictures that might get out to a more mainstream audience as well. And I don't think Think Like a Man was a black movie at all. I think we liked it because we love Taraji, but I think more mainstream audiences saw that too. Yeah. And Tracy Ellis Ross and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tracy Ellis Ross is, like, always going to be a crossover for me because, one, her mom is Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's just been in iconic television shows, one being Girlfriends, um, now the other one being Blackish. But it was also, it's interesting because even with all the success of Girlfriends, none of those women could even get on, like, late-night television. They mm-hmm. couldn't get booked for it. So That's wild. Um, yeah, they talk about it, um, how they couldn't, like, book interviews. Like, people didn't want to book them besides, like, you know, the Arsenio Paul show. Um, that's fucked up. It's so fucked up. Um, but back then, they felt like if you were Black, you wouldn't bring in ratings, which is... Unless you were Holly Berry. Yeah, but mind you, Holly Berry probably wasn't even on those late-night talk shows back then, you know, in the right. 90s. I mean, she got what she got that Oscar, and I think it became, like, a more... She was like the Dorothy Dandridge of her time, basically. Unfortunately, because that Oscar didn't lead to anything, honestly. Um, and she talks about that in a recent Variety magazine article, mm-hmm. which I, I found really interesting because I never really thought about how after she got the Oscar, she didn't really have all these opportunities to be in more mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. Like her next film after that was Catwoman. And we all know that wasn't amazing. So no, I mean, she's done a couple, I mean, now more so like now, I don't know if she got the Oscar for what monsters ball with Billy Bob Thornton. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess when you think about like how her career panned out afterwards, you're, you're actually right. Like not to say that you were wrong, but she would know her career better than anyone, but you're right. Like thinking about it, it doesn't seem like it would have, it gave her the mainstream success that you would think it would give her. Like on a large, like a large, large platform. I think she did Gothica, 
she did that movie with bruce willis or something oh yeah like um, gothica she's done some some stuff with some pretty big name like white actors she's done she's done some and it sucks that you need like a white actor to make your work relevant like especially mm-hmm. like a, a white male actor to make your work relevant i would i would still put uh holly berry on this list only because oh, yeah. of like the the range of her acting some i think another one sanai lathan oh i love sanai yeah i think We've seen Sanai in a number of different things, and I think we'll continue to see her in a number of different things. She has a very, like, easygoing beauty. Like, I, I think Sanai Lathan is just a go-to actress for some of those more, like, rom-com mainstream movies. But I'm gonna watch every single one of them because I love her so much. Yeah, she's low-key. I don't want to say chameleon because I don't feel like... I haven't seen her in anything too crazy. Like, she hasn't... She's, like, cra- safe. She's, she's yeah, a she's a safe girl. actress. Um, but I say a chameleon in a sense because she will be in a regular CBS show and then mm-hmm. she'll be in Alien versus Predator. Like she she's just all over the place. And sometimes you don't even know she's gonna be in the movie. You're just like, oh, Sanai, okay, I like this a little more now. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always happy to see her. Um, some of the more like we talked about some of like the come-ups that we thought were happening. Um, we see that with Tessa Thompson, we see it with a man is it Amandla? Yeah. How the Amandala. hell do you say her name? Okay. <laughs> okay. Because every time I see it, it makes me mad. I'm like, what do you want me to do here? My brain gets confused. This, I want to say this a- L that's normally yeah. not here. <laughs> I want to say Amanda and he threw this fucking curveball at me. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm high. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Amandala. <laughs> okay. So you see her, especially with these fucking young adult fiction movies. I don't be watching them, but like Divergent. Yeah. As well. Oh, Zendaya for sure. And you, bruh, Euphoria was. Lovecraft when it was on like for me that was Mm -hmm. one of those shows where one it was so beautifully done the story was fantastic um they blended like all the subject matter really well Zendaya was amazing amazing and I was like literally again looking at the time like how much more of this do I get to enjoy because I feel like it's ending (laughs) too soon and I don't want it to so she's definitely on the come up Tessa Tessa's entering an interesting group (laughs) like She's almost like Zazie Beats in a sense of like, you're not sure where you're going to see Tessa next. Yes. And can, I love that about her. It's like she doesn't allow herself to be like put into a group. And I appreciate that. Like when I see Tessa is going to be on the on the roster for anything, I get excited. Yeah. I think another way to describe these women is like, or these actresses, you're not sure what the fuck you're about to watch. Like there's certain times where I'm like, okay, this is about to be a Black movie. And I can, you know, I'm fine with that. But there's other times when it's like, you put fucking Tessa on something, I don't know what the fuck I'm about to watch. Especially mm-hmm. since Sorry to, Sorry, Sorry to Bother You is actually one of my favorite movies of all time, too. And, you know, after watching that, she could pop up in fucking anything. Yeah, I agree. I, I started feeling that way with her after I saw her in Westworld, which I need to go back and rewatch because I only got to, like, season two. You know, I've heard great things about it. I think I only watched season one, but I've heard such good things about Westworld. It's amazing, but I didn't realize the main like twist of the film until like season two and then it confuses you if you don't understand the twist that you should have figured out in season one but anyway there was a twist yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing terribly so yeah her um we also forgot paula Patton, who is i don't know is paula Patton very mainstream i think she's mainstream because of her husband more so than her acting but Mm. she is a crossover black woman and I feel like she's more so a crossover black woman because she's lighter skin. I didn't. I wanted to say it feels like we're making a, a an, we're drawing an interesting line here where 
crossover to some people might also mean like like looks wise where you're like ethnically ambiguous so you're more Mm -hmm. visually pleasing to white people they're not like as aware of your blackness I think that might be my inclination to put Paula Patton here because I mean I'm I'm thinking from that lens not to say that it's the best one but no I don't know where else to put her yeah unfortunately it is what it is but we also had that conversation about like Nia Long and Jada Pinkett where yep. we really didn't know where to put them either. I think, J- well, sorry, I think Nia Long is technically kind of like a sex symbol, but she's along I, the lines of like a Megan Good sex symbol, you know? Yes, I would probably put Nia Long somewhere in sexy, only because like some of this is too, like with the sexy women, they, it, it leaked into like their personal lives as well, where like, it's not just acting, but where people started to view them that way a little bit too, as like just these sexy women. And I think Nia Long would fit there. I mean, in a way, Holly Berry fits that too, but Nia Long probably more so. Now Jada Pinkett is a hard one for me because she's been all of these almost. Yeah, she's like that weirdo, like... <laughs> I, I have no she idea. She sits at the table, the lunch table by herself. Like, I don't know where to put Jada Pinkett. With the exception of the villain and the victim, I think Jada Pinkett has played Ratchet. She was in Woo. Strong Black woman. I mean, Set It Off is a good one. What a great cast Set It Off had. She Every had time we mention somebody. Yeah, you're right. She had that um, television show where she was a doctor. So at the end yes. of the day, Jada Pinkett's probably a crossover as well. She's been funny. Yeah. She's, she's definitely like the matriarch of our generation like we all view jada pinkett as a somewhat of a motherly figure mm-hmm. and we'll get into how some people view motherly figures but <laughs> we all know we all know and she's always been sexy i think she's been sexy to you know depending on who you ask it's a different world yeah that's true that's so true all right so our last category is when you need an awkward black girl or a quirky black girl is another word for it and we all know that, easy. Yeah, we <laughs> all know the number one awkward black girl is Issa Rae. But I think the new runners up are now I don't know how to say her name. Michaela. I, I call her Michaela. I don't know how to say last Michaela. name. I don't know. But she did um This May Destroy You. Phenomenal, phenomenal work she did in I May Destroy You. Yeah, she was extremely awkward in chewing gum. I think that's the first thing I ever saw her in. So I think that's where she first gets that label of awkward black girl and then Yara Shahidi I feel like she is I consider her awkward black girl just because of her character in Grownish and even mm-hmm. though she's not like peculiar or like embarrassingly awkward like Issa Rae can be sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like she is just like goofy and just is like trying to find herself like teenagers are like awkward at different levels you know what I'm saying so I feel like yeah. Yara fits into that no and what's interesting about this category I'm glad you added it was is, is like how new this is which is mm-hmm. crazy because you think back on like all the actresses we've talked about and all the different films we've, we've thought about when we were doing this it's so crazy how long it's taken us because you know we were talking about which category we would fit into and I think it's clear which one I fit into which would be the awkward black girl and it and it's been yeah, yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it took so long to see myself represented on screen that it's it's damn near ridiculous like you do start to subscribe to like okay maybe i am weird maybe you know i am different and not in like a good way so Mm -hmm. it took a really long time for me to be like oh this person is so relatable to like my life that it 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 brings me joy like isa in insecure has given me so much life 
even her sense of humor, the, the awkward shit she'd be doing on the side, you know me. Like, it was nice to see myself. I think um, Michaela did a great job and I May Destroy You in portraying, like, you know, I'd be at these festivals and shit. They'd be playing the depending on the night. I have certain proclivities. Like, you know, I have such a wide range of interests and, you know, it's typically shit that people label as white shit. And mm-hmm. it's so frustrating because I know there are other black girls that are doing the same things I'm doing. I know they're interested in the same things I'm interested in. I see it. It's just, I've never seen it on a screen before you get the Issa's and the Michaela's. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like the, for me, the first awkward black girls that I saw on television was one Cree Summers in a different world. And mm, then also definitely. Sinclair from a living single or Sinclair from living single. Um, those are my two original and awkward black girls. Definitely. But you see how like, like they did it on more of a like poking fun at those types of yes, like for people sure. where it's like, you know, it was almost like a joke the way that they were. And that's cool and all. Like I still like Freddie Gibbs is my spirit animal as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> like a different world, fave, 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 fave. But I think she feels more like me on screen than I think anything else throughout the 90s or maybe even the early 2000s to be honest like watching her was so relatable for me like even the way she talked her passion for like social justice stuff like that like why can't you have multiple interests and want to do multiple things and be interested in like the earth and shit and fucking vibes and whatnot like she represented something different yeah just her transgression her transition alone to eventually becoming a lawyer and figuring out how to use her her gifts and her interests to like build a career is something i loved about uh Cree summer's character but i think it's it just says a lot about the awkward black girl because it took so long for us to see mm-hmm. another awkward black girl and this wasn't even something that mainstream media gave us it was something that was created by Issa ray on a whim and just wanting to get yep. her own work out there. So if Issa Rae never would have came up, then it, yep. we might have spent another 10 years before we got an awkward black girl trope in TV I was, shows. Look, I was so happy when Issa came out because when I tell you, like, you start to feel like, and you, you know, we had that, this might go into a different thing, but we were talking to my friend the other night when we were drinking or whatever about like, oh, where do I find more women like, you know, like you guys? And I was like, we're everywhere, bro. Like we are all over the place. It's just mm-hmm. that you guys don't necessarily see us in the mainstream, the awkward black girls. You might think you're just meeting one, but I can name like five in my circle alone that like are in the exact same category if we had to categorize ourselves. And I think that's important for people to know is like, these are not outlier girls. These are not, I think that's why it took so long was because mainstream media was probably like, there's no market for this, but mm-hmm. bruh, Issa knew and she trusted herself that there were more girls like her out there that would understand exactly what the fuck she was talking about, would get all of her jokes and awkward references. Like one of the things I think of is when her and Nathan were like, I don't know if they were moving into his apartment and she was talking about how she got stuck in a mop closet and he was like what and she was like i named the mops and i laughed so fucking hard because i was like why the fuck would you say that out loud but i think that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is like these girls where it's like they're just completely themselves and whether that's good or bad you know it doesn't fucking matter because they get to live authentically the way that they are and exist in that and and, and people just have to be okay with it and Issa, you know, she understood that. And I really cannot articulate my appreciation for her enough. Uh, yes, I think that's a beautiful note to 
end on because this episode was truly about us talking about black characters they got to live authentically as themselves and people had to you know be used to it get used mm-hmm. to it accept these black women for the layered individuals and beings that they are so we are going to catch you guys on our next episode if you are loving this please let us know um we're really excited to continue to do this because we have some amazing topics in store for you guys um one of our next episodes we are going to be doing an episode on um, black homosexuality in television and film and we have a really great surprise guest for you guys i'm really excited about it um super excited yeah man so make sure you guys follow like subscribe do all that shit you know get our followers <laughs> up you know what i'm saying you Something. know the vibes you know the social media protocol um, <laughs> and until next time i'm mia danae i'm trish peace out <laughs>